Hi, everyone. Welcome to Product Magic. My name is Sabina Reese, and I am a content writer and marketer specializing in product management and talent acquisition. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Ronki about her blog, 15 Rules of Great Product Leadership. How are you today, Ronki? I'm so excited to speak with you. I am doing awesome, my friend, now that I am sp- I'm speaking with you. Uh, I'm doing great. Um, I love that we do these mini mini pod session now podcast now. It's kind of neat. Yeah, so, super cool. Very techy about. I, I, I look for. I know. I look. I look forward to it. So this is kind of neat. <laughs> Me too. I love doing these with you. So super pumped about this one. I really liked your blog, The Fifteen Rules of Great Product Leadership. I think it has some awesome tidbits for you know aspiring product leaders and honestly already product leaders. So it's good for everybody. So exactly. Yeah. All right. So let's get started. So uh, in your blog, so you emphasize the role, sorry, you emphasize the role of being liked, trusted and respected as an effective product leader. Like, how do you how do you go about balancing these attributes to build a successful rapport with your team and stakeholders? So. um, Not everybody gets along. I'm just going to say that. Fair enough. Enough. <laughs> we wouldn't be human without it. Exactly. You're going to have disagreements on how to get things done with your engineers, your cross-functional partners. doesn't matter. There will be disagreements. Totally. But one thing I always emphasize is that those disagreements polish us and make us better. Mm-hmm. Right? They make us better. And if we open our eyes and are open to those feedback, we will build better products that will serve our customers. So about customers, right? But to do that, um, I think it's important. So I always equate this to um, to to your friends, to your real life. Mm-hmm. If you really like somebody and you trust them and you respect them, you're going to take their phone calls. You're going to want to hang out with them. Mm-hmm, you're going to want to go get coffee with them, yeah. right? It's human, right? We're human. Okay. Well, Take those attributes, apply it to your product manager, right? Mm-hmm. Who's the epicenter, standing there, epicenter of the whole entire organization. You have to, you're almost like a politician. You have to make friends. You have to be oh, yeah. enthusiastic. You have to be charismatic in some cases, especially when you're talking to your customers. Um, you have to help your customers see that they are the hero using your product to solve a problem oh, yeah. within their organization. And that by using your product to solve their problem within their organization, not only do they become the hero, they get their job, they get that promotion they've been looking for, they get that pay raise. Oh, totally. Right? Yeah. So you have to help them see that, right? And so therefore, you do have to be liked. Mm-hmm. If your customer doesn't like you, then I can yeah, I mean, then I can be like, yeah, come by my office. You For know? sure. Yeah. No, that yeah. doesn't happen exactly. But also, the same thing needs to happen internally within your organization. Even if you have disagreement, your colleagues, your cross-functional partners, your Scrum team, they have to at least like you and respect you and trust your vision. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean you're always gonna get it right every single time. No, we're human. As product manager, we fail as well. But how you handle that failure is super important as well. Whether you blame somebody yeah. else, or whether or not you say, it, you know, whether or not you carry, lead it head on and say, yep, we screwed up. We're going to fix Take it. Take responsibility. And yeah. Exactly. And all of that also ties into that whole being liked and respected. Oh, for so, sure. And it's important. Mostly it's about trust. 
yeah. if I don't trust you, it doesn't matter what you have to say, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. So building people up, I think, is a part of that as well. Um, and really a part of, you know, great product leadership itself. So do you have any like strategies that you could share that you've used to amplify team members' voices or ensure they feel heard and valued, you know, really ties in with the trusted and like aspect of product management? Absolutely. So I always talk about how I'm a PM that builds people. Yes, you do. Yeah. And then I also build product. If I don't care about my team, and I mean genuinely care about my team, I'm not talking about pretending. No, genuinely care about my team, you know, have empathy for them and what they're going through in their lives, even if I can't solve it, to let them know mm-hmm. I'm there for them. Um, all that leads to having that trust. Yeah. Right. And that trust is there. Then I kind of feel like we can work through anything together. So the way yeah. I do that is to make sure that I have that relationship with people, with the, my cross-functional team, with my scrum team, my direct reports, my leadership. Then it's also easy, by the way, once you have that relationship, it's easy to move people with you rather mm-hmm. than telling them what to do. Oh, right. Absolutely. If you, if people come with you rather than telling them what to do, it's a little, it's easier to build products, mm-hmm. right? Cause mm-hmm. everybody is rowing the same way. Everybody understands the goal and everybody can bring their authentic self to work and great ideas. Right. So the way I also do that is to make sure that after every single project, I always write a thank you note Amazing. to every single one of my team members. Yeah. I know it's kind of cliche, probably. Most people are probably like, who writes notes these days? <laughs> I do. I actually do. I love writing thank you notes um, to my team. And I write them one by one. Yeah. Um, when I do presentations in town halls, I will bring a PowerPoint presentation that has every member that helped me to get my project out the door listed and what their role is. I have been known to send notes to managers Mm -hmm. of cross-functional partners to explain what that person did and how they helped our organization to accomplish our mission goals and objectives. Amazing. I think you have to kind of look at it from a lens of it's okay if I don't get promoted right now. Mm -hmm. I'm not looking out for my promotion right now, but rather I need to amplify the voices of the people that I work with. Yeah. Um, because if I amplify them, I amplify the product that I'm working on. And Absolutely. therefore, it doesn't matter if they get their promotion before me. It's fine. My opportunities will come along. But I need to make sure their voices are heard. Yeah. And then you all win, really. Exactly. Exactly. Amazing. Okay. So speaking up against injustices and inequalities is one of your rules in this blog. Do you have any examples of a situation where using your leadership voice had led to like a positive change within your team or organization, anything like that? So I know this. So the reason why I included this uh, in the rules is because I think it's so important. Oh, absolutely. Um, Especially for me, I'm as a woman of color. Um, somebody had to pave the way for me to be where I am yeah, today. Yeah, for sure. Though when the road, when that opportunity wasn't there, somebody provided it, somebody used their voice, right? To say, mm-hmm. hey, we don't have a lot of women of color in product. Yeah. Maybe we should do something about that. Um, and I'm so deeply grateful for those people, right? Because I wouldn't be where I am. So I kind of look at it as sort of passing it on, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like, don't wait. If you notice in your cross-functional team, you don't have a lot of diverse people. 
speak right. up. Yeah. And that's important because you're building for a diverse, you know, demographic. Yeah. Especially if you're building for a global market, mm-hmm. speak up. And the reason why that's even important is because in order to be able to make products for every single community, products for diverse demographics, yeah. you need people in your organization that look like them, walk like them, talk like them, and live their experiences. Totally. Right? Yeah. So if you don't have that, you should speak up to your leadership and make them un- and let them to understand that your customers are more inclusion focused than ever. They pay attention to who they're who they are buying from, whether mm-hmm. or not those people look like them, walk like them, talk like them. Totally. Um, and in order to build for them and understand those lived experiences, the background, the circumstances, you need people in those in your organization that look like them, right? Yeah, you can't do so it without it. That's, exactly. That's an example of one, right? Is just always remember some, that you're, that where you are right now, <laughs> there probably wasn't that opportunity before, but somebody, right. somebody somewhere thought, huh, well, let's get more diverse women of color yeah. <laughs> into product, right? Yeah. That is important. And thus, therefore, my opportunity is, is available. And I kind of want to make sure that I pass that on as well. And you can't wait for somebody else to do that. You actually have to say yeah, something. It's true. Right. Yeah. Honestly, I think you're doing a great job of that. I really do think so. I'm trying. I am trying. (laughs) (laughs) I know it's a hard road, but you are doing phenomenal. And I'm sure so many people appreciate it. Oh, thank you. I am trying. The more diverse products we build, the better for everybody. And no one is left behind. Absolutely. Perfect. Okay. So you do mention that passion and curiosity are important qualities for a product leader. Could you elaborate on a time when your curiosity led to discovering a crucial, a crucial product insight? So um, I think passion is passion and curiosity is super important. Yeah. Um, so when, whenever I meet people and they tell me I want to be a product manager, I always say to them, why do you want to be a product manager? Mm-hmm. Is it because, is it because of the money, <laughs> you know, right. Or is it because you truly believe that, you want to come into this field and you want to build products that elevates everybody and change and impacts everybody's lives. Yeah. Right. Is that your passion? Right. right. That's important to sort of understand that. Um, the, it's um, why that's important is because if you really, really care about putting a ding in the universe, as Steve Jobs says, <laughs> Um, adding your global footprint, adding to somebody else's global footprint, right? yeah. but building for other people. That's where that comes in, right? That passion must be there. You must be able to, to say, you know, it's not about money. I really want to make a difference, right? Exactly. So that's one. Um, can you tell me part two of your question again? Yeah, definitely. So it's curiosity are important. Oh, yes. <laughs> so the curiosity part comes in when... So to give you an example, yeah. so you may walk into an organization where someone is like, this is how we've always done it. We've never changed this. This is how it this works. This is our status quo. Yeah, we're sticking to it. This is our status it. quo. Rather than say, oh yeah, okay, no problem. And just accept that. You need that curiosity to be able to go, well, let me go figure out more about this. Like, yeah. you know, why, why can't we change this? Times have changed. Totally. Right. Um, same thing. Like if you have an engineering team that says to you, Oh no, to be able to build this, we would have to rebuild the whole entire platform rather than just say, yeah, okay, then don't worry about it then. Yeah. But really go figure out 
work with your tech lead to figure out a different way to be able to bring that product vision to market, right? Rather than mm-hmm. say, no, we're not going to do it. That curiosity is important because without that curiosity, then you're really just, you're not being, you're not leading. No, definitely not. You're just following you the de- same old You're situation. following along. And that's important. And now also curiosity is also important when it comes to talking to your clients and your customers. And here's the reason why. If your customer says to you, I just need A and B, mm-hmm. and you accept it, that you just need A and B, yeah. you're going to fail. Yeah. Can't and take the it reason at face is value. You don't, exactly. And the reason is because you don't know. You, don't, <laughs> you haven't taken the time. You haven't been curious enough to understand how did they go from the beginning of their day to the end of their day? What are right. they trying to do? What are the jobs to be done? Why do they log into your platform? What does it take from beginning to end to, for them to accomplish their job? Mm-hmm. And if you do, what usually happen, ends up happening is you understand, you end up coming back and realizing that they don't need A and B. They really need something else, right? <laughs> C and D. Um, exactly. But you have to be curious. So uh, like there's an example I think I wrote in one of the blogs that I think you and I worked on where I mentioned that I went to a client's office in Florida for two weeks. Yeah. And it was just for me to work from their office to get them to, you know, to understand their day to day and to, right. you know, and they were telling me they needed something, you know, they needed a particular product. Mm-hmm. When I got to their office, what I observed was every single person in their in their office that works there speaks two languages, English and Spanish. Right. What I understood was 90% of the clients were Spanish speakers. Mm-hmm. Right. What I understood was they wrote things down for the attorney. Oh, the attorney also was bilingual. Okay. What I noticed was they wrote things down for him in Spanish. Mm-hmm. What I also noticed was the attorney, because 90% of his clientele are Spanish. He spoke to them in Spanish. Right. Makes sense. But the documentation they gave them were all in English. <laughs> there's a little, there's a little disconnect there, yeah. Right, there's a little disconnect there. So do you see, like, even, like, the intake form was in Spanish. I mean, sorry, it was in English. Yeah, right. And then the, Sp- the Spanish representative at the door who signed them in had to explain to them what to write down. Yeah. You see the disconnect there, but yet they were asking for something completely different. Totally. If I hadn't been curious yeah. and I hadn't gone to their office to hang out for two weeks... I would not have known that, right? That they really needed a bilingual product (laughs) from the beginning of the client intake all the way to the end of what they were trying to do for that client. Yeah. And that way they would save them time from having to translate it. Totally. Yeah. That's so funny. And the client, so funny. And that customer, those clients could actually stay home and fill out the intake form online in Spanish. Yeah. Seems so simple. And they, Seems so simple. And the, and the attorney and the rest of the people in the law firm will actually just, once they submit it, will get all those answers translated back in English, yeah. which they need to file. But they will also have the Spanish version as well, right? So imagine if I hadn't been curious. I hadn't gone to their law firm. I hadn't sat there for two weeks yeah. to understand what they were doing and how they did it. No one told me that they were bilingual. No. No one. No one told me that 90% of their clients were Spanish speakers. No one told me that they actually have job descriptions that says you must be able to speak Spanish. Oh my gosh. Fluently. Yeah. Right. None of this. No one told me their attorney speaks Spanish as well. They never communicated to me that, oh, by the way, sometimes we write notes back to the attorney in Spanish. Oh my gosh. <laughs> just, like, just, 
You just needed a fresh right? set of eyes, right? And you had to be curious. Right. And also for the clientele, for the clients who needed to be able to find the location of the office. Yeah. It's given to them in English. Right. And then they would have to go, oh yeah. And then they would have to translate it in Spanish for them to get to be able to be to be able to get to the office in case they were lost. Totally. Curiosity matters. Yeah. So matters. God, does it ever? Does it ever? Mm-hmm. Amazing. Okay. So your blog highlights the importance of being a chief storyteller officer, actually. So could you explain how you ensure that your cross-functional teams fully grasp and communicate that product story? So the reason I say chief storyteller is because there's this, like, I can't tell you how many times in my product career I've heard, you are a CEO of your product. You are the CEO of your product. And I, God, I so disagree with that. <laughs> if I was the CEO of my product, I could tell all my cross-functional partners what to do. Exactly. And I can't, which is why I need to lead without authority. Yeah. But to be able to generate empathy for my clients, mm-hmm. to be able to, for my leadership, to be able to generate empathy for our customers, have to be, it has to be through storytelling. Right. It has to. So the way I tell the story with my design partner and my engineer and my tech lead is to make sure that I'm telling the story from the lens where the customer is the hero mm-hmm. using our products to solve a problem. Right. And if you can get that story across, you win at the end of the day. Absolutely. Because then what happens is your leadership has empathy. And by the way, the other thing is I do my storytelling not with numbers. People forget numbers. People oh, don't God. care about do they numbers. Ever? <laughs> and they're like, okay, great. 30%. All right, great. Yeah. But if I told you, though, that it takes seven hours for someone to create an account, you'll go, wait, what? Why? Yeah. <laughs> oh, like, my gosh. And then if I explain it to you as my leader, you'd go, yeah, you need to fix that. Yeah. <laughs> but you see, even if you leave the room, I've impacted you. Yeah. You're going to think about it over the weekend, the fact that it's taking your client seven hours to create an account. You're going to think about it, right? Totally. I will. (laughs) How do we fix this? So yes, that's important. So part of that storytelling, and then of course, the story has to be able to travel because you're not going to be in every single room with your leadership, with your cross-functional team. And so that story has to be able to travel. They have to be able to repeat it to their boss and their boss and their boss's boss. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden you find out the whole entire organization is telling the same story. Yes. Awesome. Which it has to travel for sure. It has to travel. Right. But it has to be impactful. But that the most important thing though, especially in the B2B world, your customer has to be the hero. Mm -hmm. Just like everybody has a hero, your customer has to be that hero. And then using your product to solve the problem. So amazing. Yeah. can definitely travel for sure. Okay. So, This is actually my last question here. So it's a good one. So recognizing that you don't have all the answers is an important aspect of leadership, obviously. Uh, Could you share a time when this approach has led to like a breakthrough in solving a complex problem, something that you've been working on quite a bit? So number one, I'm a firm. I love the fact that I don't have answers. In fact, I don't want to have answers. Kind of takes the heat (laughs) off you. (laughs) Well, not only that, but also... Because then it invites collaboration. Yeah. Right. So the way I always sort of walk through that is to make sure that my designer and my tech lead and I are in every single meeting mm-hmm. with clients. 
yeah. we all three of us have to be. Because what happens is I'm going out, I'm in the meeting as a product manager and I'm trying to I understand their jobs to be done, their day-to-day. But my our designer can ask questions about how to use the platform. Mm-hmm. Questions that I won't think to ask. Right. Uh, my tech lead will ask similar questions as well. And what happens is when a customer tells you they need something, you're not exactly going to build on that thing. You're going to figure out a way to solution it because what you want to do is build them the thing that they didn't tell you they needed. Yeah. Right. So the example I just gave about the law firm, right. They never told me they needed a bilingual product. Right. But by being there, I understood that. Mm -hmm. So customers will never tell you everything, which is why you need to understand it day to day. Totally. Per se. So I sort of go about it that way, that it's a we, as in those three people, me, design, tech lead, and we sort of move together mm-hmm. in every single meeting, in every single situation. And that to me is how we solve our clients' problems and build the best products. So Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Honestly, that's such a good approach, really. It really is. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. Well, like I said, that's all I have for you today. I loved talking with you today and... I really look forward to these sessions with you. So thank you again. Oh, me too. Thank you. Are you kidding me? You're my, you're my, you know that you're my, <laughs> you're my partner in. So I could partner in product management. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, awesome. Thanks, so much, Sabina. Thanks, Ronky. Bye now. Bye.